Long December. It's a long December already. And it's December 4th. The melodious tones of the great Adam Duritz and Counting Crows. Long December on this Monday, December the 4th. 6.05 on your Monday morning. You know, before I left, I guess it was Noam. Belated happy birthday. I did see yesterday at the airport. Yesterday was your birthday, oh, so happy cool. birthday. It was, nice. yeah. Yeah, happy birthday. Thank you, thank happy you. Happy birthday. What'd you do? Anything fun? Uh, you know, I just hung out. You did nothing fun? Nothing. nothing. No, uh, you know, we celebrated on Saturday. Dinner. So what did, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, Jersey City or Hoboken? Uh, we were in Jersey City, yeah. Nice Italian place in Jersey City. Had a couple, you know, brews. Uh, had a nice meal with the family. That's always fun. Got some presents. Sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I remember last week, Noam did a story, and I made fun of it. And I'm here this morning to say that I apologize for making fun of it because I think I have it. What's that? Well, you did a story last week, and Lewis also made fun of it. No, I would never think of doing anything like that. You know, everything today, every anxiety is a syndrome. And you mentioned last week that there are people that when they come home from lengthy vacations, the thought of going back to work the next day cripples them with anxiety and fear. Right. 
And you actually called it some type of syndrome. And I'm like, oh, please, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Stop. Everything is a syndrome these days. Go back and go to work. I can tell you this. I've got that syndrome. (laughs) Because as soon as I got up this morning at exactly 3.08 a.m., I wasn't crippled with fear because I'm great at this and I enjoy doing it. But it was about the last thing I wanted to do. So I think I've got it. What is that thing called again? I can't remember what it's called. I yeah. have it. Here I am last week poo-pooing it, making fun of it. I've got it. Yeah. It's post-vacation syndrome. <laughs> Whatever that's, it that's is, man. Oh, my God, yeah. do I have it. I really started getting it yesterday morning. I hadn't even left where I was the last four days. And I was sitting there, just so you know, watching the ocean and the waves. And it started to hit me. Like, oh, my God, i got to go back to New York City. And when I say that, I say that half joking and half not. I mean, I live in a beautiful community. So does Lewis. We live in the same place, right on the beach. Our house, we've been there less than two years. It's gorgeous. I love where I live. But I am at the point in my life, if God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April, where I like New York City less and less every day. It's a hellhole. When people yell and scream about New York City being the greatest city in the world, it is very clear that they never go anyplace else, anyplace else. Because without telling you details of where I was the last four days trying to get my head together, I think I saw maybe one homeless person, maybe one. Did not see anybody shooting drugs in the middle of the street. Heard very little to no sirens over a four-day period. I walked through one of the poorest neighborhoods I've ever walked in. So poor, in fact, that the, you know, the bicycles only had one wheel. The dogs were down to three legs. All the laundry was hung outside the house. Not Nothing close to a washing machine or a dryer. Nothing close. Do you know I didn't see or smell duty or pee-pee? None of it. People were waving flags. They were destitute. I mean destitute. And they were proud. I was not nervous. Never feared for my safety. Not for one second. And it was a po neighborhood. I mean po. Only this city. Only this city. These animals who walk the streets and they're animals. Whether they're homeless. Some I feel bad for. Most I don't. The criminals, these illegals, maybe the terrorists that are hiding somewhere in Astoria, Queens, as we speak. I don't want to hear how great this city is, because I do travel. No one travels more than my wife. I mean, she's been to just about every country around the world running marathons. She doesn't see any of this anyplace else. And all I can think about is the mayor, Eric Adams, who I like less and less every day, beating his chest, telling everybody what a great job he's done, how the city has come back. Come back to what? Come back to what? I wasn't in Kennedy Airport 15 minutes last night before some crazy guy, half-naked, was yelling and screaming about his luggage, hadn't gotten his luggage yet, but was just he was half-naked, yelling and screaming, scared the hell out of Gabriel. I mean, come on, man. Come on. Welcome back. <laughs> I got to rethink where I am in my career, man. I swear to God. I got to rethink it. I'm being, I'm being completely serious. Completely serious. I don't make enough money 
I don't make FU money where I could just live here and say, eh, I'm not going to worry about it. I just don't. You know, I live paycheck to paycheck. I make a lot more than most of you, but I don't, I'm not a millionaire by any stretch. I'm not a wealthy man outside of family, respect, and love. I'm not a wealthy man. This city just doesn't do it, man. Got in the car this morning. It's rainy. It's filthy. It's gross. I'm, I'm being serious. I didn't see one piece of dirt on the street in the four days that I was gone. Not one doesn't matter where I am because I can say that about this place, any other place I go, any other place I go, except for this city. And the whole country's got me pissed off. I mean, let me ask you this. If Hamas invaded Cincinnati, okay, Cincinnati, and they went in and they raped all the young girls in Cincinnati, and to make sure they got their way with the girls who were fighting back, you've read this and seen this, they broke their legs. One story I read in the New York Post over the weekend had one girl gang-raped by so many Hamas members, they broke her pelvis. They broke her pelvis. And then they shot her in the head when they were done with her. First they laughed, did what they did, and shot her in the head. And they went in and they killed her parents, killed her brothers and sisters, threw her baby brother in an oven. All that happened in Cincinnati. Do you think that Joe Biden that lowlife creep, or Anthony Blinken would take their orders from Netanyahu or anybody else? The fact that Netanyahu has to continue to listen to this rubbish from the United States, specifically about the South, that's where they are. That's where most of the Hamas leadership is holed up right now. Now, listen, Israel's done a terrific job. They've wiped out about a quarter of the Hamas leadership. A quarter. That means, folks, simple math, three quarters, the overwhelming majority, are still out there. They're in the south. That means we level the south. They went there over the weekend for the hundredth time. They told people to leave. They told them to leave. I am so sick and tired of President Biden and deuce-faced Blinken. Lloyd Austin is out there this weekend yelling and screaming, oh, my God, please don't make it easier to radicalize Palestinians. Is he nuts? I mean, do you hear all these stories, No. Oh, yeah, I mean, especially more and more stories of what took place on October 7th. There was one woman who begged the Hamas terrorists to kill her because well, she was they had one raped she her got so raped many times. About 30 times. Yeah. yeah, she said, she, please just kill me, put me out of my misery. Well, they did. They shot her in the head after the last guy was finished. They laughed at her, then they shot her in the head. Yeah. That woman is the one you're talking about, yes? I, I think it's the same woman. Yeah. yeah. And then there was another girl who was only a couple of feet away from the woman you're talking about. She was fighting back so fiercely that one of the Hamas guys took a shovel, slammed her, over, well, actually, what he did was he hit her in the neck with the shovel to shut her up, and her head came off. And the guy that told the story about these two separate rapes and these two different women saw this young girl's head rolling down the street. The other woman you're talking about, he said, and I quote, she had a face like an angel. I mean, these are the stories that are coming out. I'm not interested in what Joe Biden wants in what Blinken wants. You know, look, there's a a group of people out there right now in Dearborn, Michigan. These are Arabs that are starting a group, Muslims against Joe Biden. That's all he cares about. All he cares about is, oh, my God, if I get too pro-Israel, I'm going to lose the Arab vote. 
He doesn't care about the babies or the woman being raped. All he cares about is, I need that Arab vote. And right now in Dearborn, Michigan, there are groups of Arabs saying, we wouldn't vote for you in a primary, in a GE, if you were the last guy on this planet. That's what keeps Biden up at night, losing votes, not dead bodies in Israel. Sorry, Michael Goodwin, you are 1,000% wrong, 1,000% wrong. Every opportunity Biden, the U.S., has to really back Israel, they come up short. And now I'm telling you it's going to get worse because Israel is not going to listen, and they shouldn't. I don't want them to listen. I don't care anymore who dies. They need to finish this job. The more that comes back from October the 7th, The more that you read, the more that you see, if you are not sick into your stomach and don't want total revenge, you are barely human. So where are we right now, No, Well, they're getting some of that revenge over the weekend, that truce falling apart, Sid, you know, that was uh, freeing some of the hostages. Israel said Hamas violated it. And so violated. How about 38 times? Yeah. Yeah. So they went after these tunnels, the command centers, uh, the weapon storehouses and took out as many people as they possibly could from Hamas and, of course, uh, anybody who was near there. So it was a, it was an intense weekend, but the Israelis said a lot of damage done to Hamas over the weekend. Good news. John Kirby, another one of those guys, like Blinken, like Biden, urging Israel to head back to the negotiating table. Idiots. Hamas does not want to negotiate. First of all, we have no idea how many of those 120 hostages are still alive. Let's be honest. Secondly, you will never get young ladies like Mia Shem back because she's been raped probably a thousand times. They don't want her coming back to Israel telling those stories. So it's becoming increasingly obvious whoever they have left, if they've got people left, it ain't going to happen. But John Kirby's saying the same thing. Listen, if you go to the South, you better be very, very careful. Here he is, cut number nine, Lou Rapino, Pentagon spokesperson John Kirby. We have been very consistent and clear with our Israeli counterparts Stupid. that uh, we do not support uh, a move to the south unless or until they have adequately accounted for the protection of innocent human life, <laughs> civilian life, in southern Gaza. With the understanding that there's a whole heck of a lot more innocent civilians in southern Gaza than there were a week or two ago because the Israelis opened up corridors for them to move south. So here is, um, I guess, Mark Regev, and he talks about how these hostages who were released, how many in the end so far have been released, Noam? Uh, good question. Probably about 70. Yeah, there's 120 still being held today, and what did they tell us, 340? Or, two, sorry, 240 yeah. in all. So. Yeah. I don't think we got 120 back, probably closer to 70 or 80, but at any rate... Mark Regev, uh, Regev, I should say, talked about how the hostages said they were treated while they spent about 60 days in captivity. Lewis, Mark Regev, cut number 10. So it's clear that Hamas is, 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 is brutal and that we are extremely worried about how they're treating the hostages that have remained behind. We're thankful that we got 81 Israelis out, 81 Israelis who were in Hamas's dungeons. They are out. 
Unfortunately, there's, there's more than 130 still left behind, and that's a problem. We've been hearing stories from the medical teams that have been dealing with the hostages that have come out, and, and they are saying that the hostages uh, went through a, a very difficult time, the ones that are now out and can talk. Abuse after abuse after abuse. Children suffered abuse at Hamas's hands. But maybe we shouldn't be surprised. We saw the way Hamas behaved when they invaded Israel on October 7th, when they butchered our people, when they burned families alive, when they machine gunned the young people at the, at the open air music concert, uh, concert. We know what we're dealing with. Hamas are brutal killers. We can have no illusions. So Donald Trump was in Iowa, I guess, this weekend. Is that uh, is that right, Noam? I think he, you know, you know more about this maybe than I do. I think he was. I think yeah. it was Iowa, yeah. Well, I don't know because I literally spent the last four days completely detached. Yeah, a good thing. Yeah, it was a good thing. But I believe he was in Iowa, and he said what, what we all know already, which is if Donald Trump was president, this never would have happened. I remember I had uh, Pat McEnroe on the show well, he's been on many times, but the last time he was on, I've not invited him, invited him back since because he sounded stupid. I'm being serious. I like Patrick. Last time I had Patrick McEnroe on, I said, you know, this was before Israel. I said, you know, this Ukraine-Russia conflict wouldn't happen if Trump was president. And he said to me, and I quote, how do you know? I said, what do you mean, how do I know, stupid? Because before Trump was president... And Obama was president, Putin went into Crimea. And then after Trump was done, Putin went into Ukraine. Stop talking about the 13 dead in Afghanistan. Has nothing to do with it. Nothing. Maybe the timing, that's it. These guys know you put a Democrat in charge, whether it's Obama or Biden, we're going to do what we want to do. I said, what do you mean, how do I know? Before Trump, they went in. After Trump, they went in. That is a pretty decent piece of evidence that whatever Trump was doing, they don't want to mess with the guy. Is that is that fair to say no? What do you think? Yeah, well, they didn't know how he would respond to anything. Right. So anyway, here is uh, Trump in Iowa this weekend saying, if I was in charge, this whole thing in Israel, and I believe him, never would have happened. Cut number 20. I kept my promise, recognized Israel's eternal capital, and opened the American embassy in Jerusalem. Nobody thought that was possible, right? I also recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. So horrible what's happening in the last six weeks. Think of it. You go back three months, four months, but go back three years. This is an impossible. This would have never happened. What happened, the attack on Israel would have never happened. I believe him. So there is uh, President Donald Trump in Iowa. We have a a great guest list coming up today talking about Donald Trump. His daughter-in-law, the great Lara Trump, makes her return to Sid and Friends in the morning. Lara's going to be here at 845. We are going to talk, thank you, Meanie, 7 a.m. Curtis Sliwa, 840, Lara Trump, 915. She actually started Jexit. We're going to talk to Michelle Lubin coming up at 9.30, Dr. Mark Siegel. And we've added Anthony D'Esposito on a big day for George Santos. He's coming up at 7.40. So a lot going on. It's the Monday edition. I am back here on Sid and Friends in the morning. And we'll be back right after this. And it's one more night in Hollywood. 
Talk Station 77 WABC. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Well, I just heard the news today. It seems my life. Is gonna change. I close my eyes, begin to pray. Then tears of joy stream down my face with arms wide open under the sunlight. Welcome to. to live in Boca Raton, Florida, you may have heard. And I like this group a lot, Creed. I like this song, Arms Wide Open. I like Rain. I like a bunch of their songs. But their lead singer, a guy named Scott, is it Staff? Staff. 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 Thank you, Lewis. Two P's at the end. They're from 
I don't want to beat your story. No, they're, yeah, but they're, they're from Florida. They're from Florida, yeah. Right, so when I was living in Boca, it was when the band, I guess, had disbanded. And they were going through some tough times. And the lead singer here has got a great voice, Scott Stapp. He was literally, Lewis, living in his car in Delray Beach. Wow, like Jewel. Like Jewel, exactly <laughs> right. Very good. A couple of miles away from my house in Boca, the lead singer of Creed. And he was arrested a bunch of times, I believe, I believe, for like walking around, uh, you know, like Matthew McConaughey playing naked bongos, that type of thing. He just lost his mind, you know. So he went through some tough times. But I heard that song in a cab, I believe it was Thursday night, and I texted Lou right away, and I got the reaction I was hoping I would get, which is, what a horrible song, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> is that what I said? Danielle's like, he's right, that song sucks. And Gabe is like, I like that song. Oh, I'm kind of with Daddy. Oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> That's right. I said almost the day was almost as horrific as that song right. you sent me. Right. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about Thursday for a second, too, because I do want to thank John Katsimatidis and Andrew Giuliani and Curtis Sliwa. That is a terrific three-man booth right there. That's that's Gipper, Deardorff, and uh, Boomer, you know, Monday Night Football. That's... Um, Cosell, Meredith, and Gifford. And those guys did a terrific job. But I, um, it didn't take very long on Thursday morning because I've got a very loyal audience. They just do. And I was getting bombarded with messages. And so I put up one post. In the four days I was out, I put up one post. And I said, I have to say, and I mean this, I am humbled and almost taken aback in a good way by the amount of messages I'm getting. I was gone for not even a full day yet. I believe Thursday's show was still going on. And I said, thank you. You know, I know I left you in good hands with John and Curtis and Andrew, but thank you. And the messages they poured in, and they're public. You can see I'm not lying. Go to my Instagram page right now, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, or my Facebook page, Sid Rosenberg. These are public comments. And there was a ton of them, hundreds, how much they miss me. I was gone for like an hour. <laughs> miss me, love me, miss the show. These guys are great, but all that, you know. And it was um, it was nice. For a second, I almost wanted to come back right away. <laughs> yeah, that must have lasted under a second. Maybe it was less than a yeah, second, that's yeah. Not a, <laughs> 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 and then where the hell is Justin Ellick today? Matt Meany is here doing a fine job in his stead. Thank you, Matt. But. Where's Alec? Is he on vacation? or? He's just taking a day. He was at the Eagles game yesterday. Oh, okay. He's in mourning, maybe. Oh, that was crazy. Yeah, How great was one, that? Yeah. Oh, the Niners just put it to him, baby. 42-19. to 19. And I watched the first quarter on the flight, and it was all Eagles. All Eagles. But the problem was, it was 6 nothing. They engineered these two great drives and only came away with field goals on both of them going. The Eagles just completely outplayed San Francisco, and yet the Niners are a Brock Purdy touchdown away from taking the lead. And the next time I checked the score, it was 21-6 San Francisco. So you look at the uh, the powers that be atop the NFC. The Eagles still have the best record. They're 10-2, and but right behind them are the Niners at 9-3. and And don't look now. But the Lions, Detroit, who got a road win yesterday, they're also 9-3. and three. But the biggest 
football story of the weekend is bowl season is now set. You guys know I loved college football. We've got 43 bowl games, 43, and it all starts on December the 16th, all leading up to January 8th. That's the national championship game. And now we're down to the final four. The one-seed Michigan will take on the four-seed Alabama, who got a huge win over Georgia in the SEC championship on Saturday. That's going to be the Rose Bowl. Right now, Michigan is favored by a point and a half. In the second game that night, 845, the Sugar Bowl, you've got the three-seed Texas as a a four-and-a-half-point favorite over the two-seed Washington. Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Bama. So there's one team missing. It's the first time ever in the history of this, I guess, playoff bowl scenario where an undefeated football team from a major conference did not make the playoffs. And that's Florida State. They won, ended the season at 13-0, and playing inside the ACC, and they've been left out. They're going to take on Georgia in the Orange Bowl on December the 30th. As a two-touchdown underdog, by the way. Florida State not involved in the playoffs. And I got a ton of family and friends, I mean a ton, whose kids went to Florida State, and they are pissed. I wish they were nearly as pissed about what happened October 7th in Israel, but this is the country we live in. (laughs) I mean, they are like, they're like screaming bloody murder. That Florida State was left out. I got news for you. I would have put Georgia with their one loss ahead of Florida State. I see Noam, you're all waving your head as if you know what I'm talking about. I here. do. They their schedule was so light. I mean, I mean, granted, undefeated is undefeated, but the ACC who do they play? sucks. Yeah, the ACC is terrible. I mean, if, if I attack a peanut, tout Miami one more time, I'm going to punch him across the face. <laughs> Miami had such a great season. Sorry, Joe, don't get upset. They get to play a football game in the Bronx. And I'm sorry, I know the pinstripe bowl is a big deal for local people. You don't play football games in the Bronx. That's when you know your program is not exactly on top. Rutgers, Miami, playing football in the Bronx. Well, they can get a good meal. What's wrong with the Bronx? (laughs) No, the whole idea is these kids go to bowl games. They go to Miami, the Orange Bowl. They go to Texas, the Cotton Bowl. It's 80. It's sunny. Who wants to come? It's going to be 31 degrees and freezing rain to play a football game where the Yankees play. I feel so bad for them. Oh, my God. I'm just saying. This is not exactly a big deal. Like, Joe Nolan's all excited. Rutgers is going to play Miami in the Bronx. Bronx. My God, that's not bowl season. Well, that's almost a penalty. Everybody loves New York, like you said. Like, Nobody is, loves New no, York. That's, that's, right. that's nonsense. We don't, but the people say, oh, it's the greatest place in the world. Good, come play a bowl Talk game. Talk to here. the two million people that left the last two years. The only idiots that say New York is the best place in the world are people that can never leave. <laughs> they can't leave. Well, they haven't been here. <laughs> <laughs> right? Wow, New York sounds great. I want to see the tree lit. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, is that it? It's over. Okay. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Decorations are on 
Christmas music for you. When you consider, folks, that believe it or not, three weeks from today, on this exact day, three weeks from today, Monday, December 25th, is Christmas Day. We are three weeks away. I'm not feeling it just yet. This is my favorite time of the year. I tell you folks that all the time. I used to make Bernie crazy because I'd be so excited. I'd be playing Heat Miser in November. I'm just not feeling it this year. No. I'm just not feeling it between the Israel stuff in this city and the local politicians who continue to lie to us about how this city is back. And again, all you got to do is do what I just did. Spend four or five days someplace else, folks. Get a real perspective. Spend four or five days someplace else to come to the crashing realization what an asshole New York City is. A complete asshole. But I have now been invited officially when you when you will combine Hanukkah and Christmas, because I am a huge star, and people tend to love me, 16 parties. 16. The last one is a Hanukkah party by the Savetskys, the great Dr. Ira and Lizzie Savetsky, which I believe is uh, this Sunday, the 10th. So I've got 16. So far, I said yes to two. Two out of 16. Even the company party, which I loved last year. Remember last week I talked about it? I really thought the WABC Christmas party last year was great. Whether John and Margot did a great job and Chad and Emily and it was fun. We had karaoke. We had good food. People got drunk. That's a great mix for a party. Sounded That's good to it. me. I don't know. So, it's great. So it was a lot of fun. I loved it. I really did love it, but I can't go this year. So Because they have it on the uh, the same night. I told you that uh, Gabriel was dying to see the Nets play the Knicks. And uh, through my dear friend Anthony Carone, I was able to get Nets Nick tickets at the Barclays Center Wednesday night, December the 20th. And that's the night they're having a party here. So I have to choose Gabe over the company every time. That's big. Okay. Yeah. That's but dope. I'm sad because I really did enjoy the Christmas party here. And they do party pretty good at this place. They do. They so um, Always good. Yeah, they're always good, these it parties. It is. I remember coming in one day after a party, and uh, the cake was all over the floor. <laughs> a little Chad Lopez disaster during Joe Piscopo's party. Oh, that's right. The, for, yeah. the, the cake was on the whole Yeah, floor. nobody ate it. That's it was all over the floor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <There> was booze <laughs> <laughs> bottles everywhere. I, mean, <laughs> I forgot they had to have a special Now, that's clean, a party, man. <laughs> a special cleaning crew. Had to clean yeah, no, I, yeah, because the cake was, like, dug in. And blue. I got to tell you, when I saw that, I go, now that must have been a great party. I'm being serious. Had to be great. That's when you know that's right. Yeah. Last Christmas, you had a drunken Macedonia Phil, like a karaoke. I think he was doing like the Carpenters. It was great. I <laughs> he yelled out at one point, and Margo told him to shut the F up. Yeah, shut something. the F up, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did Sinatra with Katsimatidis and Chad. It was a good time. So that's coming up. Wednesday the 20th, I cannot make it, but the invitations continue to uh, to roll in. Noam, give me the latest with the uh, the U.S. ships. You know, every day I get more and more angry with Michael Goodwin of the New York Post. He's a very sweet man. He is a very smart guy. And him and Miranda Devine, let me preface my knock with this. Him and Miranda Devine at the New York Post are the two best columnists in the country. But Michael Goodwin... Sounded like such a moron a couple of days ago. I don't know if I can put it back on the air. 
And it was when I, I blamed Joe Biden. I said he's complicit in the attacks on Israel. And he said, well, now you've gone over the line. You've crossed the line. Complicit, that's not, that's not the right word. I go, oh, really? The same guy that not one but two administrations, two, dating back to Obama, made life easy on Iran, enriched Iran with oil and money, knowing Iran is behind these major attacks. How is he not complicit? And he said, well, his policies aren't great. Well, what does that mean, his policies aren't great? Yes, his policies, a direct result, were attack on Israel. What is he talking about? But he likes Biden. See the difference? No, I'm critical of Biden. No, you're not. You're not critical enough. He's also critical of Eric Adams. Guess what? Not critical enough. You want to show a big set of balls? Tell the God's honest truth. Tell them how badly these guys are screwing up. Not, yes, they're screwing up, but. There is no but. So give me the latest. Uh, He made the argument that the U.S. is doing so much for Israel. You've got these warships. I swear to God, that was his point. We got warships in the Mediterranean helping out the Israelis. Oh, my God, thank you for that. But what is going on exactly there over the weekend, Noel? Well, you know, these warships have been attacked by the uh, the Houthis in Yemen. These the rebels. Houthis? Yeah. Aren't they called Houthis? Houthis, Houthis. I think Houthis was Houthi in the blowfish. I think it's Houthis. Oh, Houthis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this U.S. warship, uh, the USS Kearney is there. Uh, they were under assault. It was about five hours yesterday with these drones uh, shooting missiles at them. They were able to shoot down one of the drones. But the USS Kearney is there to protect these commercial vessels so they can get through the Red Sea. And they've been under attack before, but not for as long of a period as it was yesterday. This thing started like 10 in the morning, went on for hours. Isn't this Iran that's doing this? Well, the thought is that Iran is behind all of this. Yeah. Know? So no doubt Yemen is getting its military fire from Iran yeah. under the orders, whether to attack the Americans. Well, you can connect the dots. Uh, nobody hurt, at least that we know of yesterday. Right. U.S. wouldn't even tell us exactly where these missiles were coming from. But yeah. The thought is it's from Yemen. Doesn't matter. Florida State didn't make it. Let's be honest for a second. <laughs> uh, Ralph Napolitano specifically enjoyed the part after the interview when I said this. Michael Goodwin what, what, what exactly did I say? I mean, uh, quote Napolitano. Goodwin is a genius, but he's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I remember that. Right. <laughs> did I actually say that? Yes, you did, because I, I was trying to follow you, and you went back and forth. A couple of, yeah, look, he's one of the greatest writers right, But you ever, could but... be a genius and an idiot at the same time, right? I mean, there have been g- people who are geniuses that have made some very idiotic moves. No? Well, no, that never happens. Well, you got to give me an example of what you mean. Like, what do you like a, a genius? Like a genius, like a GM in sports who's great, who's a genius, and then makes a bad trade. Is that what you're? Talking? I guess. Okay, that does happen, right? Okay. Well, I know you think he is extremely smart, Goodwin. Michael Goodwin. Yes, he may not be a genius, right? But I did call him a genius and an idiot in the an same idiot. sentence, right? Yeah. But he's an idiot. It was just yeah. how you juxtaposed idiot after genius. Well, after the last exactly. conversation, he's more of an idiot than he is a genius. <laughs> You know, it was a genius. Oh, Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin is an absolute genius. And if God was good to us and God really cared about New York, he'd be the governor right now, not that wench, Kathy Hochul. But uh, God doesn't care. He doesn't care about New York City or Florida State, clearly. (laughs) So Zeldin was um, talking about anti-Semitism this weekend because he's a proud Jew, served this country very, very proudly. Let me remind you, was a great congressman out of uh, Shirley, Long Island, and he had a couple of uh, messages. One went to uh, Chuck Schumer, 
regarding anti-Semitism and what a lousy job Chuck Schumer, another self-hating Jew, does to combat anti-Semitism. Lee Zeldin on Chuck Schumer, Lewis, cut number 24. Lead these people who are voting for you as opposed opposed to being led by them. Call out Rashida Tlaib. You should have a problem with members of your own party who are in the halls of Congress, who are refusing to condemn Hamas, who are refusing to to, to have a problem with and talk about what's wrong with beheading babies and and raping women and upholding innocent Israeli and Americans hostage. People in his own party. Words... Yeah, they they matter, but you need actually leadership and action next level. We need the Democratic Party across the board to be singularly, emphatically, and forcefully condemning anti-Semitism in its ranks in the halls of government, on the streets, on college campuses. This is why, if you're a Jewish person, you just can't be a Democrat. In fact, Michelle Lubin is going to join me coming up at about 9.15 this morning. She's down in Florida. She's best friends with Siggy Flicker. And Michelle started the Jexit, I guess, uh, revolt. Jews that will no longer vote Democrat. That goes directly to Lee Zeldin's point. He also talked about these Jewish students on these campuses that are being intimidated, literally scared to death. Lee Zeldin Lewis, cut number 23. There are right now Jewish students who are unable to get from their dorm to their classroom without feeling threatened, confronted by people who are dressed like Hamas terrorists, using rhetoric like Hamas terrorists, and in certain cases, actually physically bullying, intimidating. And when that college student ends up going to that faculty member to uh, ask for help, the faculty member is telling them that they need to go see a therapist. They need to go see a therapist. (laughs) You can't make it up. All right, folks. Again, we got a great, great guest list coming your way today. Curtis Sliwa, Lara Trump. We're going to go live to Israel. Jehuda Hanekman, who's been on this show a bunch of times, is having a barbecue as we speak in Israel for the IDF, for the Israeli soldiers. And the guy right now making hot dogs and hamburgers for the soldiers next to Judah Hanekman is... Dove Hikind. Wow. They're together this morning. So we'll talk to both of those guys coming up. And again, Michelle Lubin, Dr. Mark Siegel, and Anthony D'Esposito as well. It's a huge Monday morning show with us. We are sitting friends in the morning exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC.